Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Omar Singh, who is president of Surge Transportation, and Prasad Galopoli, who is founder and CEO of Trucker Tools. And today we're going to talk about leveraging digital freight tools to build carrier loyalty. So, you know, it's no secret that, um, you know, we're in a very constrained transportation environment right now. Um, last I heard, there's something like seven to eight you know, loads for every, you know, truck that's out there. So what does it take to secure uh, reliable and repeatable capacity? How do you build carrier loyalty? And what is the, the role of technology like transportation management systems and freight matching and real-time visibility, you know, technologies and all of this? Well, those are some of the main questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. And it's great to have Omar and, and Prasad with us in the program to share their insights and advice on this program. So Omar, Prasad, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk with you guys today. So looking forward to the conversation and hopefully sharing some ideas that are helpful to, to the viewers. So I appreciate the opportunity. Great. And uh, Prasad, as always, welcome to the program as well. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always nice to chat with you. And uh, I'm excited to chat with Omar. Uh, he's done a marvelous job of... Uh, uh, you know, leading this space really well. So, you know, excited about this. Great. So, Omar, let, let's start with you. Like I always do, you know, before we kind of dive into specifics of, of the topic, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with surge transportation, but maybe some people are not. So, um, why don't we start there? Why don't you, trip, you know, tell us briefly a little bit about surge transportation and your operations and, and your role there? So, I started surge in 2016, toward the end of 2016. Uh, I came up you know, so I started driving trucks uh, to pay for college. So I was a local driver in Northern Virginia for, for many years. And then um, after college, I bought a truck as an owner operator, drove over the road for a few years and then had a medium sized trucking company, which I, I ran through the recession and we closed, we didn't make it out. Um, and then at that point though, I had some customers, you know, from the, the, the relationships in the trucking and then was able to go into the agent world with some of the large national firms and, you know, capitalize on those relationships. And as I recovered, then took Surge Independent in 2016 with our, uh, the business model that I kind of developed in those years that we were recovering, or I was. Um, and now our legacy office is Jacksonville, Florida. Our original office is Jacksonville. Our largest office is in Chicago. And uh, we have some remote people, of course, naturally with COVID around the country and um, very large growing office in Medellin, in Colombia. And then we have some other kind of third shift and weekends in the Philippines. So really had to spread out a lot, partially as a result of COVID, just hard to get people you know, to come in. So, so, um, so yeah, we're about 180 strong now and so growing very quickly. So having a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, great. I mean, that, that's a good, good congrats on the, uh, the, you know, the success to date. I, I, you know, one of the things I love about asking that question all the time is I'm always interested in how people get into this industry to begin with. And I think you're the first guest in all the years that I've been doing this program that started out as a truck driver, you know, yeah. so you, you, you know, I think it's a unique perspective, you know, to, you know, actually have that uh, on the road experience. So you can really certainly speak to, you know, that experience. And I'm sure that's been, you know, very valuable to you as as you now uh, you know lead uh, search transportation here. Um, so so let's get into it then, and and leveraging that experience and leveraging what you've been uh, uh, kind of living through with all we've all been living through the past you know uh, year and a half here. 
um, you know, again, very tight environment. Um, it's very, uh, you know, constrained. I mean, what does it take to, you know, secure, uh, you know, reliable and repeat capacity? In other words, I mean, how do you build that carrier loyalty? Well, I think it's everything. I think a lot of brokerages, you know, I think you really have to treat carrier sales in the same way that you, you treat customer sales, right? And so a lot of brokerages, I think, focus entirely, or not entirely, but maybe uh, the predominant amount of their um, sort of just structure and workflow around customer sales. And I don't think that, you know, we can give the customer what they want without also treating carrier sales in the exact same way in all of those relationships. So from uh, just a, a day-to-day standpoint, you want, you know, the ease of use, ease of onboarding, you know, proper staffing to be able to respond to carriers' needs when, when they have them because they do. Um, you know, for us, I think providing a 24-7 environment, a lot of times it's, it, it's thought of as something that you use to advertise to your customers that you're available 24-7. But carriers also, you know, need help 24-7. There's delivery appointments in the middle of the night or in third shift, there's unloading fees, you know, so just helping with day to day. So covering the advances for unloading fees, not charging high fees. I think uh, we have, you know, the lowest quick pay in the industry. So making sure that sort of cash is available to them if they needed to help, because a lot of small and medium sized carriers, I mean, geez, the price of operating is so much higher now than it used to be, you know, really rely on that cash flow. And then Obviously, a big part of today's conversation is about, you know, the digital sort of connections with them. But I think if you don't have what's always worked historically, which is, you know, good rates, quick pay, good service and a culture in which, you know, the drivers are valuable and those relationships are equally as valuable as customer relationships, um, it gets really hard to, to sort of set yourself apart from the competition. Um, but, yeah, that's worked for us a lot. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I think, and I think Prasad, I think we we've talked about this in, in the past as well. And I think I, I think it's very easy to overlook sometimes the fact that you really serve two customers, right? You're serving the shippers, but you're also serving the the carrier, you know, community as well. And I think, I, I think in, in the past I've said, you know, it's kind of gives new definition to the term CRM, right? Everyone when they think of CRM, they think of of customer relationship management. But in your world, you know, CRM can also mean carrier relationship management. And that's yeah. a, a critical, you know, component of, of all of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, again, like I'll say, if, it, it, you could have all the customers in the world, but if you don't have carriers, then, you know, you can't move the freight. So, so you have to have a system in place that treats them, treats them the same. Now, of course, they're, they're more voluminous in number, right? So we got the number of carriers we work with compared to the number of customers are, are, are different. So it's certainly a different strategy and some of it's infrastructural strategy, uh, corporate strategy for handling that more than like a, a one-on-one kind of personal relationship. You know, like we develop with our customers we're spending so much time with the same ones year over year. Um, but in the same way, uh, yeah, they just have to be treated equally as valuable, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Prasad, I mean, obviously you work with a lot of carriers, you have a lot of conversations with them. You, you've got a good, good pulse there as well. I mean, uh, just to building on what Omar just said, I mean, what do carriers expect from their broker partners today? I think, you know, um, <clears throat> everything that Omar said was very nice, right? I mean, it's customers on both sides, right? So um, when brokers look at carriers as customers, 
the very first and foremost thing that these carriers look for, especially the small carriers, right? I mean, we're talking about 20 trucks or less that move over 90% of the freight in our space. They look for a strong, reliable partner in a broker that they can anchor their business around, right? So that becomes the core for them. So it could be just one, one broker that they're looking for. It could be a handful of brokers that they want based on their uh, carrier network size, right? I mean, they might be five trucks, 10 truck guys, right? Or what lanes they drive. That, you know, the core part, when you talk to every carrier, they'll say, hey, we want good brokers, trusted brokers, brokers um, that support us in our journey, right? That truly is what they ask for. And uh, um, obviously the, 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 we've had the opportunity to uh, really bring these guys and ask uh, both the brokers and carriers what they want. and Interestingly, both sides said, hey, we want uh, transparency so we could build trust. So, you know, you see this, there is a give and take too, right? Um, you know, expanding on the thought of uh, what carriers are looking for, um, you know, if we break it down, it is reliable freight, consistent freight that they want, right? I mean, I'm a one truck guy, like I'm a Omar has this experience and you can't ask for someone to understand more than what Omar has, right? Um, I want consistent freight, you know, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, uh, on those lanes, if a broker provides me that freight, I have very little to worry about where my next load is going to come from. And I think that certainly makes my business much better. Um, that uncertainty of I don't know where I'm going to get my next load is very, very burdensome for a small carrier. And that's probably the biggest pain these guys go through. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, that, that, that's a great point. And I think that, um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, trust, you talked about kind of the, having that relationship, right? And, and it's one thing to say, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it, you know, people say, well, you know, equating it to friends, right? You know, um, we may all have a lot of acquaintances, but really there's only, you know, we could probably, true friends are, you know, a small number and they're hard to come by, right? So I, I think it's similar here, right? I mean, you, you, you may, a lot of brokers out there, right? And you can have uh, um, acquaintances with them, but really, if I heard you right, Prasad, I mean, I think really what they'd like is to, to find those true friends that they trust, that are dependent, that are reliable, um, that are gonna help them, you know, with, you know, create a win-win opportunity for them as well, right? Absolutely. And, you know, um, interestingly, some owner operators, small carriers, um, when we spoke to them, they said, hey, you know, I, I call this broker. On this lane, I always call this broker. Um, they don't even shop around. I know we talk about uh, there are eight loads or seven loads for each available truck. Um, trust can make such an impact. Uh, you know, uh, this particular example, this guy drives from Maryland to Florida. And every time he drives that, he calls this particular brokerage. And that particular person at that brokerage, and that is the dependency, right? That level of trust that these guys have. And you know, in many ways, that's how the brokerages are also built, right? I mean, they aggregate this, uh, these small carriers into one um, solid uh, you know, capacity pool for bigger shippers. That's a consistent pool, right? So. Yeah, and that's a great example. I think it also speaks to the uh, uh, the, the importance of relationships there, right? And, and relationships and trust, you know, go go hand in hand. 
Uh, Omar, going, going back to you now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, technology now. I know from a technology standpoint, um, you're already using a, a TMS from, uh, you know, the cloud software. I mean, what capabilities and, and functionality were you, were you looking to add to that TMS platform and, and why? And then what, what factors ultimately led you to, you know, work with Trucker Tools? Well, I think that was it. I mean, all of this is kind of as the landscape is changing, right? And so the digital transformation is affecting all of us to kind of look at the future and say, you know, what do I have to do to be relevant, you know, next year, two years from now, three years from now, 10 years from now. Um, and so I guess what we're trying to do is invest, you know, we have real-time pricing capabilities, TMS integrations with some of the large shipper TMSs, um, Blue Yonder, Blue Jay, Mercury Gate, Oracle. Um, so we've got pricing and then we've got the capability on our side for, so pricing is more uh, customer facing, right? And then, so more carrier facing is the automation of being able to either, with trucker tools that started out, just seeing the capacity and where our loads are compared to the trucks and now with the upgrade with McLeod, we've invested in all of the digital freight matching capabilities to be able to activate all of that in, in a real-time environment with trucker tools and sort of take some of just the labor out of the phone calls. I mean, I mean, with, I'll, I'll tell you, like I try, I'm trying to staff as quickly as possible, right? I'm trying overseas, I'm trying here, but we like really get, I would say the number one complaint we get from carriers is like, yeah, like, dude, I would take your load, but I was on hold for five minutes, right? Like every time I call in, I, I hear the same music. I hear the same whole music. Like I can't get through. Um, and so book it now capability is, you know, just it, it eliminates that, right? And our business model has always been to post the kind of target rate, right? And obviously there's some negotiation that, that goes on, especially on same day. Um, but the book it now model, it just fits right into that because, you know, you post the rate and it's a fair rate. And if it works for both sides, then, then they take it and they don't have to worry about listening to our really good hold music um, <laughs> and in hopes that they get through. So, um, so that, that uh, I guess, investment and that capability, I think is going to be the biggest kind of milestone investment that, that we've had this year to be able to activate it. And so we, we, we purchased the capability, I guess, in Q4 and went live with it in Q1. And, um, you know, it's doing what it's supposed to. So uh, that's great. That, that's great. I mean, I know that, you know, obviously your, your business, you know, as a business leader, your goal is to, you know, continue to grow your business and do it in a, in a scalable, you know, and profitable, you know, manner. And there's, there's only so many people you can hire and so quickly. Right. And right. You know, I think the, 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 the path to success these days is how can you automate you know, some of these things that historically have been done via email, via, you know, telephone, via manual processing. I mean, I think that some of the technology that's, that's coming to bear in the market today is really to help automate and streamline, you know, a lot of these processes that were historically very, very labor intensive and, and manual uh, in nature. And it sounds like you're having some, you know, success there, um, you know, so far with the, the, the Book It Now, you know, capabilities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's successful. I mean, all the carriers who are using it are, are happy with it. A lot of times they say, you know, once people start booking uh, digitally, they, they kind of stop the phone calls and emails and just say, I'd rather just work with people who can, who can provide that capability. Um, so we don't have to deal with all of the, 
the weights on hold and the miscommunications. Um, and, you know, month over month, we're starting to see more and more adoption as kind of the word gets out that, that we've activated the capability. So it's pretty exciting. And I think, you know, the trend's just going to continue. Yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of providing that enhanced carrier experience, right? We, again, we always talk about customer experience, but here's an example of, uh, again, along the analogies of CRM, here's an example of, you know, providing an enhanced carrier experience as well. Hey, not, not letting them wait as good as your hold music may be, you know, they will, they will prefer to not have to listen to it than, uh, you know, even if it's only five minutes, uh, you know, to be able to automate that transaction uh, is certainly much more uh, preferred. Um, so Prasad, I mean, for, for brokers that already have a TMS, just like, uh, you know, Omar and, and Surge um, uh, Transportation, I mean, what, what are some important factors, you know, that they should consider when selecting, you know, a freight matching and, and real-time visibility partner? Um, I think Omar did a, a decent, a good job of connecting these two pieces, right? TMS versus the digital platform together, right? So, um, you know, brokers that have looked at uh, you know, that have already been adopting to a particular TMS, right? When they look at these tools, the primary purpose of these digital platforms, whether it's for matching or tracking, is to connect with their carrier community, right? So they should look at, um, if I'm in, in the market to buy a digital platform, I should look at, you know, four or five things to start with. The first one is, um, are my carriers... Where are my carriers, right? So, uh, if, you know, one of one of my friends in this industry said this. He said, "Prasad, we like to we like to go where our carriers are, right?" So, how many of my carriers have already adopted to this platform? That's a, the, the first thing I would look at. The second thing is, <clears throat> um, functionality-wise, is this something that's a complete product, or do I have to buy four or five products to make one product, right? Um, the, so tracking and matching are two, two sides of the same coin. So having one platform keeps your carrier on that platform. If you are using one platform uh, for tracking, one platform for matching, and at another platform for getting the documents back, you're actually giving a runaround for your carriers. This is this. You're making it harder for them, right? That carrier experience, building that carrier, it's, it becomes harder for them to work with you. As opposed to, so, you know, I, I like the example that Omar gave. He said, well, we saw that <clears throat> our carriers like us, but they don't like to wait on the phone. So we immediately adopted to technology to make it easier for them, right? That, I think these are subtle signs that, you know, those people, those brokers like Omar who react very fast, they can see that. That's the second one. The third one is <clears throat> when you bring in a digital platform or a vendor, like in this case, you know, we're a vendor for Omar, right? Um, as a broker, you should ask questions. Is this a partner who is going to really build the platform in the direction that I want as well, right? Not just what they think they should do, right? Oftentimes our space gets vendors where they think they know what our, their customers want, right? That's actually a very, very big misconception. Um, so, you know, involving brokers is, is an important thing. We, we've had conversations, Omar asks us, What's in your roadmap? Hey, this is where we see a gap. I want, I want you to put this on your roadmap. A very demanding customer is actually a very good customer for a vendor, right? Um, and a partnership, right? This is a partnership where we work together towards a common goal. Um, the fourth point I'll, I'll make is um, 
technology is not just technology. Um, meaning in today's world, technology is technology plus support. Um, if one of Omar's team members has an issue or says, hey, well, this load is supposed to be tracking, it's not tracking, who do I call immediately rather than just wait for two days, three days, right? So having good customer support from the technology side is a must. And the last thing I'll add is how aggressive is this platform? Because so five years back, we weren't talking about digital platforms. Um, <laughs> 10 years back, you know, in my previous life, we had, uh, you know, public load boards. We thought that was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, nobody talks about public load boards now. Um, year from now, we don't know if digital platforms will be the new thing, but there will be something new coming up. These vendors have to be constantly innovating, right? So you want vendors who are aggressive, who are constantly building products. So if you find a partner in the, with these five attributes, it truly puts you in an amazing position as a 3PL or a broker to take advantage of that platform to build your business. Ultimately, you know, the goal for you know, someone like Omar is to build his brokerage up, right? I mean, that's what he's providing services to his uh, shippers and carriers. No, great, great points. I, I like the point that you brought up in terms of it's it's not much just technology, it's technology and service, right? And, and, and that support, which ties in nice into what Omar, what you brought up before, right? In terms of, you know, being able to provide that 24-7 support and not only for the shippers, but also for the carriers as well. So that, that um, uh, concept or that importance of support, you know, is a common thread that, you know, uh, goes throughout your respective, uh, you know, relationships and, and the customer's uh, that, that you serve. Uh, Omar, you, you, you touched upon some of this already, but maybe, uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more or maybe share some other examples. I mean, uh, can, can you talk a little bit about some of the, the benefits you've achieved, you know, so far about by leveraging technology, by going on this digital transformation journey? And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the carrier side, but, you know, how, what benefits do shippers get out of this as well? I think I think shippers, you know, I've I've spoken on this before a little bit, but I've, I'm I'm seeing more and more shippers, and some of it is, of course, the result of you know the supply chain disruption that's resulting from COVID, and things became really tight, and driver behavior changed, and hotspots, supply chains, you know, just kind of got repositioned away from grow, away from food service and grocery, and just huge disruption in lanes, right? But even uh, before that, we began seeing a couple of years ago, shippers allocating a certain percentage of their freight to a real-time environment. And I think that's a, a really mature, healthy supply chain that um, people are acknowledging saying, okay, you know, a certain amount of my freight, they used to put 100% of their freight out to RFP and say, we want to try to lock down uh, 100% of our forecasted freight in, in a linear way. And it doesn't really work anyway, but... Um, but, you know, and now a lot of them are saying, well, I'm going to I'm going to bid out 80 percent of my forecast and play the market with the others with the just healthy realization that, you know, when the market is down, you know, I can probably save some money and, and pay less. And when the market is up, I'm going to end up paying more in the same way as if I had just bid out 100 percent of my freight and then I get 20 or 30, 40 percent tender rejection. Uh, this just says, OK, I, I, I realize there's going to be some tender rejection in the system. So, and, and it's okay if I just have to pay the market rate. And that's, you know, to be honest with you, even that's shipper to broker, but I, we're in the same way shipper, uh, broker to carrier that way. You know, you guys were talking about loyalty earlier in many ways, we have a lot of repeat relationships where 
for us, the carrier loyalty is, you know, give me the truck, right? Work with me rather than the other guy. But yeah, sometimes when the market is down, we have to, you know, just kind of pay what the market is. And, And I get it. And when the market is up, you know, we pay more, but the relationship is there to say, let's work together. Right. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll call you on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. And, and I get it. It sucks when it's down. It's great when it's up, you know, and we just have to adjust with that and customers adjust as well. And I think for the ones who are willing to accept that, um, you know, they secure capacity because, you know, they're saying, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's up. Capacity's tight. There's seven loads to one truck, but I, I, I need that truck, you know? So, um, you can secure capacity faster too, right? The way when you used to have rejections was to do a two hour or four hour auction. And now, you know, it's minutes and you have all your prices back. And if you have reliable people who not just give you prices, but also give you capacity, then then it works, you know? So save money when the market's down, secure capacity when the market's up. And, you know, I think you get your products delivered and, and that's at the end of the day, what everybody wants is for the end consumer to, to get, what they need, you know? So, yeah, that's the, you know, it's a great insight there because I, I've actually been writing recently about how um, the traditional transportation procurement process from the standpoint of shippers um, is really out, has become outdated. Right. And I think you, you gave some good examples there in terms of, of how shippers are starting to think differently in terms of how they want to procure transportation, whether from, from the grant, you know, the contracting standpoint, as well as the spot market or the, you know, more um, a real-time, you know, standpoint. And I think, you know, what's enabling this shift is, um, you know, certainly part of it is being driven by the market itself. It's just become much more volatile and, and unpredictable, but they wouldn't be able to do that without this technology that's right. in place. And with folks like yourself um, implementing this technology to enable, um, you know, shippers to, you know, enact these different, you know, procurement strategies, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they, if they decided, you know, um, you know, continue to keep their 20% in, in more of this uh, real-time environment, but if they have to wait two hours, four hours, six hours to get a rate or to understand right. if they get capacity, it's not going to work out, right? So it's really dependent from them. It's really dependent that you're investing in technology, you know, to, you know, be able to provide that capacity, provide a, a fair rate, you know, almost instantaneously to, uh, you know, help them meet their customer requirements in times of on time and in full expectations right. that their customers have on, on them. Um, so, so I think that's a, that's a great point there. Um, as, as a way to wrap up, and Omar, I'll start with you and then uh, Prasad, um, I'll ask you kind of a similar question. Um, so, so what's next, you know, for, you know, search transformation in, in your digital transformation journey? Well, I think what we're doing is we're trying to bring right now all of the kind of different digital platforms that we're working on, um, sort of trying to bring them full circle. I mean, everything that we're doing is working right now, but one of the things we we purchased the API module, you know, for our TMS. And so we're doing pricing outside of the TMS and now we're doing the digital freight matching, you know, inside of it. But in terms of coming full circle now, we're going to bring in uh, sort of more advanced load board management with the APIs bringing the pricing. So the pricing is going to go to the customer TMS and then come back to us either through API or EDI, but now we're going to tie the systems. So the reporting, you know, is better. Um, and just keep on, you know, there's, there's some things that we do with technology that we do on our own, 
um, that we we build. But for the most part, we buy. I think that partnering with companies who do it full time, you know, they, they do it better and they do it uh, constantly have enhancements and upgrades. And, and so we don't really have the capability of doing all of that. But maybe what we're doing is at least providing the base to say, you know, I, I can I can bring all these tools and systems in together and, and make them sort of centralized in a, in a visible you know, way that works for us as a company. And that is certainly an investment on our part, but it's not saying that, that we do it the best, right? So, so in order to provide pricing, we use benchmarking tools. We don't just do it on our own. In order to provide digital matching, you know, we use sharper tools. We don't do it on our own, but, you know, we're at least developing enough tech to, to bring it all together. Um, and so that's just, it's an exciting journey, you know, and look forward to continuing it. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of these journeys that, you know, um, it, it never ends, right? Um, yeah. And sometimes you have to accelerate that journey. And certainly, I think that's what, what happened, you know, in, in 2020, when companies recognized, particularly those that were standing on the sidelines, uh, found themselves in a world of hurt because they, uh, you know, were still operating as if it was 1999 and, right. uh, you know, not 2020. And, um, uh, but anyway, it sounds like, you know, obviously you're, you're an early adopter in, in, in many of these things and it continues to, you know, be something that you continue to, you know, try to continue to improve upon. Yeah. Um, you know, Prasad, kind of similar question to you. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure you, you mentioned that your, you know, your customers really di dictate, you know, where you go. So where, where, where are your customers taking you in terms of new capabilities and, and innovations? You know, I, I would say where we are, right? And then I'll share with you where we're going. With the digital transformation, um, you know, we've, we've started this journey a few years back. Um, in my viewpoint, I think we are in the first quarter of this game still. Um, the initial jitters have settled in very well in the last 12 months. Um, a lot of customers like Omar who are on the forefront have adopted to this platform very well. Now we're driving into, um, it's so, you know, we, we look at this transformation as it's never going to be 100% of anyone's freight going to digitize. Parts of that will get digitized, right? Um, so the journey would, would have to address all of this. Two, we're also looking at, you know, what, what he, Omar said, I'll connect back to this thought is, it's not just digital platforms, meaning a lot of people look at digital platforms as digital freight matching, but that's not part of it alone, right? So digital freight matching, visibility, document scanning, we're talking about uh, electronic bill of ladens, uh, tagging all these things together. So at the end of the day, we're pushing this information back into the broker's TMS on time. And at the same time, we're giving those same benefits to the carriers. So it becomes a very tightly uh, coupled systems um, and people operating. So um, the inefficiency in supply chain will, will start getting reduced. So I, I still believe there are at least you know, good three chunks plus, uh, three quarters plus left ahead of us in this journey. Um, I think the next three to five years are going to be extremely uh, important for, for all of us, especially the brokers in this space who are scaling up, they will start scaling up much faster. I mean, we're already seeing that with the early adopters, they're scaling much faster than others. Um, every broker is going to get uh, on their platform like this. Um, and the sooner they get on it, the sooner their journey starts. They have to go through all of this, right? Um, I can't wait for the future, to be honest with you. You know, we're getting the front row seat of, uh, of this. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I've been uh, an industry analyst now for, for, for 22 years and, you know, there is always something new to talk about in this industry because, um, you know, there's a lot of innovation, uh, a lot of startups that keep coming in. And, um, you know, I think the, the challenge has just become, you know, different and more complex every day that it's ultimately what drives this innovation. And who knows, you know, maybe in a few years time, uh, you know, instead of talking about trucks, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about brokering uh, drones or, uh, you know, uh, or, or things like that. So you never know, you know, that might be another aspect of your business there, Omar, is, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, instead of dealing with carriers and owner operators, you're dealing with drones and, you know, drone operators. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> Those will be interesting times indeed. Well, yeah. anyway, uh, on, uh, on a more serious note, I want to, uh, you know, thank you both for, for your time to participate today. Uh, you know, you both provide some great insights and advice, and, and I'm sure that, um, you know, our listeners, uh, you, you know, value your comments very well. So again, Omar, Prasad, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. I hope that it was insightful and helpful to some of the viewers. So thank you for the opportunity. Great. Uh, uh, thank you. And thank you, Prasad. Uh, Thanks. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either on uh, the talk, uh, Trucker Tools website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Omar or Prasad, you can post it there. And uh, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great Thanks, day. Guys. All right.